What animals cannot move backwards? Aha!、Uh-huh. And who popularized chopsticks for eating? Answers to those and other questions, burning questions, burning. Coming up in this episode of the Off Ramp with Bob <laughs> and Marsha Smith. <laughs> Put that match out. To the off ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, and take a side road to sanity with fascinating facts and tantalizing trivia. Uh huh. Uh huh. Chopsticks. The chopsticks, history、Bob. of chopsticks. Yes. You know what's older, the chopsticks or the fork? No, I think chopsticks are older than forks. Makes、though. sense, doesn't it? Like I think forks come from the Middle Ages. They're like two thousand years older than the fork. Yeah. 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 But and chops- do we have the name of the person who made chopsticks popular? We do. Confucius. How'd you know that? Well, I assume it's a manners thing. Like you should eat with sticks, not with your hands. You're、so、onto something, it. but it wasn't manners. Confucius believed that knives evoked bloodshed, <laughs> and the honorable and upright man allows no knives on the table.、Okay. They used to stab their food and eat it off of a knife. Right, right. That's how people used to eat. So he saw chopsticks as a more peaceful way to pick up food compared to spearing it with a knife. Well, it is. It's more refined. It certainly Genteel. is. Genteel. Yeah, it's not easy to pick up a pea with a knife or a <laughs> chopstick, in my opinion. <laughs> yes. Have you ever tried to do that? Oh God. Two the sticks, that thing rolls right down. I'm a your... <laughs> miserable wreck with those. You know, I went to some dinners early in my adult life and. Use chopsticks, and then that was it. <laughs> the,、uh, don't don't have any need to do that again. I did it、again. in my early twenties because、yeah. it was cool, and then I said, "The hell with this! <laughs> I need more food." <laughs> so it was meant as a more refined and less violent way yes, to eat. Yes, well, was, I guess he was right. Yeah, he was a non-violent、uh, person. He's like Gandhi, always espousing peace, and so he brought on the chopsticks. All right, my question now: What animals cannot move backwards? I knew this at one time. Do you want me to give you any choices? Yes, please. Choices for animals <laughs> that cannot move backwards: turtles, chimpanzees, dogs, cats, or kangaroos. It would be turtles. No, no, kangaroos. Kangaroos, yes, kangaroos. They're hopping mammals, They right? From Australia, they're hoppers, big hoppers. Carry their offspring in pouches. But what may not be so well known is that kangaroos cannot walk backwards. So they have to turn around, yeah, and, and walk the other way. You know what their hopping movement is called? It's got a specific name. No, what? Saltation. Salt. <laughs> That's what happens when I put salt in my food. Saltation. <laughs> During saltation, kangaroos push off with both large feet at the same time, and they use their tails for balance. Oh, that、and、makes they sense. They can't do it in reverse. Huh. So their combinations of their muscular legs, big feet, and tails help them move forward effectively, but these appendages prevent them from going in reverse. That comes from animals.mom.com. Okay, Bob. In a twenty-four hour day, when are you the tallest? What? <laughs> okay, I'd say when you're laying in bed and the gravity is not pulling you down, you're flat. Oh. So, so when you're laying in bed, you're probably the tallest you are. Wrong. 
we don't really measure people for their height when they're laying in bed, That's do we? That's true. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's when you get out of bed, you're the tallest. Gravity weighs down the human body throughout the day. And by the time you go to bed at night, your body has shrunk about one centimeter. Throughout the day, you shrink at one centimeter, which is less than a half an inch if you're metric deficient like me. Is that due to gravity pulling you down? Yes, that's okay. where I'm going with this. Okay. Yes, it's gravity pulling down the human body throughout the day. Laying down at night gives our spines and joints time to decompress and gain back the height they lost during the day. All right, I have a question about a whale. This is about the blue whale. We know that's a huge animal. It's a big one. How much does a blue whale's tongue weigh? Oh. It can weigh as much as what kind of animal? A blue elephant? whale. You're right. An elephant. Can you believe that? No. I was going to give you a dog, a bear, an elephant, or a tiger. Yep. Blue whales, the largest animals ever known to have lived on Earth, 100 feet long, and they weigh up to 200 tons. They're as long as three school buses. That's how long they are. And their tongues alone can weigh as much as an elephant. Their hearts can weigh as much as an automobile. Good Lord. But... They reach these dimensions on a diet composed exclusively of tiny shrimp-like animals called krill. And that's the most prolific organism in the world is krill. Yeah. So I guess they need a lot of it. Jeez. I have a question now. Yeah. How can you tell how old a whale is? Well, that's a good question. You cut them open and you count the layers of blubber. Well, you count the layers. You count Earwax. His teeth. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, Lord. You count the annual layers like you count the rings on a tree. Earwax. Earwax. How do you get earwax underwater? That's how you know how old they are. Oh, my. So how old do blue whales grow? How old do they grow? They grow old. We all grow old to a certain extent. Except me. Okay. (laughs) I'll say 80 years. 80 years is the average lifespan. It is? 80 to 88 years, yeah. Oh, I guessed it right. But the oldest found based on... Counting the layers of the earwax was 110 years old. I'll be darned. So those big old whales live a long, long time. Let's have a little credit. I guess the right age here. I didn't get the earwax. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, congratulations, Marcia. Thank you, darling. Have you ever heard of Bubblegum Alley? No, what's that? (laughs) I never did either. It's in, and I don't know if I can say, I never say this right, San Luis Obispo, California. It's It's an alley like 70 feet long or something. Anyway, my question is, how many pieces of gum do you think are stuck on the walls in oh, this alley? Oh, no. Yes, We're going from is... whale earwax to bubble gum? Yeah, yeah stuck on nobody's a wall. eating lunch while they, they're listening to this. This is kind of, yeah. Okay. Uh, I would say there must be hundreds of hundreds of... Uh, pieces. Pieces of bubble gum stuck to the bubble gum alley. Is it on the ground? No, they're on the walls. Oh, And you may dear. look at a picture after we finish the show. Okay. Two million pieces. Holy cow. Estimated. That's just a thing, a little tourist attraction we didn't know existed. It's like the big ball of twine and the mustard museum. Oh, those Wisconsin. are much more interesting, I think. Than, than used bubblegum. Yeah, than bubblegum alley. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would agree. Anyway. Topic change. Music, okay? Uh-huh. You and I kind of always look at uh, Taylor Swift like a surrogate daughter or something. We've liked her career. We've followed it. And she just broke a musical barrier. What did she recently topple? Amount of records sold. She just made history as the first woman and the third artist ever to have four of the top 10 albums in the Billboard 200 chart at the same time. At the same time? Yeah. 
You know, wow. she's re-recording her first six albums to uh, oh, regain to get the money back. Yeah, artistic and financial control of her songs. She released the third of those, Speak Now, Taylor's version. It debuted in the top spot. It's her 12th number one album, which pushes her past Barbra Streisand for the most chart-topping albums by a female artist. She actually added six new songs previously oh, she did. Previously so it unreleased. gives people a reason to buy it again. Yeah. That album, Speak Now, joins three other albums in the top ten. So they are the fifth, tenth, and seventh, respectively, on the charts right now. So you really have thought of her as a daughter? Figure? Surrogate, surrogate. Oh, you want to have her over for Sunday dinner or something? I or think what? that'd be fun. Let's do that. Let's <laughs> Bring out the up. guitars. We got a piano. We got music here. We got guitars here. and pianos here. All right. Here's a pondering question, Bob. Why is one side of Reynolds wrap aluminum shiny on one side and dull on the other? Man, I've always wondered about that. And I've wondered, which side should I use? Well, that's my last part of that question. And okay. which side should you use to wrap food in? I think you use the dull side. Uh-huh. And you wrap the food with the dull side, so the shiny side is showing. Because? Because that's easier to keep clean. <laughs> I, I don't know. What's the answer? The answer is, it doesn't matter. Oh, dear. <laughs> I thought there was some significance. According to the folks at Reynolds, the only reason that it's different in the sides is that during the last stage of manufacturing, two layers of aluminum are pressed together through a rolling mill at the same time, and one side comes in contact with the highly polished steel rollers and become shiny, and the other side doesn't come in contact with that, and it's kind of matte finish. So there's the answer. There's no difference to either side for well, any purpose. Why not run it through twice? I'll pay a little more. <laughs> you up for yeah, two shiny I sides? I want real shiny on both sides. Oh, man, you are a demanding consumer. Damn right. All right, now you can sleep well tonight knowing okay, the Marcia, answer to that. What toy was famously banned from the National Security Agency and why? What this toy? This was in 1999. Toy. From the what? Banned from the U.S. National Security Agency offices. It's an animatronic toy. They still make them. Oh, it's is called it? Furby. Oh, Furby. Yeah, and they, why would they, they do They banned Furby? them from its headquarters because it was a robot-like animated toy which oh. could record and repeat audio. That's right. They said, no, no, can't have those in here, capturing state secrets. <gasps> That's so funny. So they put a bulletin out. Anybody who sees anything like this has got to report it and all that. Furby must leave the building. <laughs> Security researchers discovered the microphone on a Furby Connect could be remotely activated and used to record voices through a Bluetooth connection. But later they dropped the ban. They decided, no, I guess. Yes, it can only record short snippets of things. It wasn't going to get any big national security secrets, but that uh, that was the reason that the Furby was banned. What was a Furby doing there anyway? I don't Aren't know, these so people supposed to be protecting our country? Yes, Why would they have a Furby on their desk? Something to play with at lunchtime. Good God. <laughs> Okay, another question about another toy. This went in the news because of a movie, Barbie. Oh, big time in the news. This yeah. was a recent article in the New York Times Magazine pointed this out. I didn't know this. What has Barbie never been? Since her debut in 1959, Barbie has been a fashion editor, a nurse, a flight attendant, an executive career girl. That's how Mattel described it. Barbie has also been an astronaut and a president of the United States. Did you know that? I missed that one. Barbie has been all those things, but what has Barbie never been? A boy. A mother. <laughs> oh, a, a mother. mother. You know, it's supposed to be a role model, but Barbie's never been a role model as a mother. Yeah. Interesting, huh? Well, are they going to change that? I don't or is think that, so. Uh, I don't no. think How that's How would they a... change that little naked body with the skinny little up and down? <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't okay. look like a pregnant woman, that's no, for sure. Oh, no, my God. Well... <laughs> 
That's very interesting. Okay, Bob, where did the term last ditch stand come from? Last ditch stand. Yes, I'm taking a last ditch stand on this program, Bob. Is this from trench warfare from Mm. like World War I or something like that? You got half of it right. It's trench warfare. Okay, so... You'll like the... It's an interesting answer. It goes back to the 16th century. Holy cow. When an army attacked the walled cities, you know, Mm -hmm. or a fortress, they would advance by digging ditches, a series of ditches to get them closer and closer so they could scale the wall. But if there was a successful counterattack, the invaders would start going backwards to the last ditch. Oh. And to the They kept going back until they got to the last, very last ditch. And if they failed to hold off their attackers, then the battle was lost. You don't have a ditch. Huh, okay. So that's, uh, I How, didn't- What's the year again? 16th century, Bob. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All go right, ahead. got another entertainment question for you. Yes, good. All right, what is the most watched Netflix show from the early 2020s, early 2020s? Oh, was it, uh, I don't know if this was, was it Breaking Bad? No, it wasn't. I don't even know if it was on Netflix. What is it? Squid Game. That was the most watched show ever on Netflix. It's a Korean-produced show. And the point of this question is, how popular is content for American viewers of Netflix that's not produced in the United States? And here's the answer. That spurred an interest in Korean-produced shows. So in 2022, 60%, that's six zero percent of Netflix subscribers watched a Korean-language show or movie from that point on. Really? That's a triumph for Korean pop culture. I'll say. Here's another fascinating thing to ponder, Bob. Why do superficial paper cuts hurt so much? Oh, yeah. Death by a thousand cuts. That's the term, isn't it? Yeah, it's seemingly more than much grosser cuts. It just hurts like the Dickens. It's such a tiny slit. I don't (laughs) understand why it is either. Well, what's the answer to that? The skin surface of the hands where most paper cuts occur contain more nerve endings than almost any part of your body. Oh, Putting a bandage on a paper cut won't help much, but keeping it moist will help. Oh, okay. Keep that in mind. Fingertips and the forehead are the most sensitive parts of your body to pain. I didn't know that Those either. are the two parts of your body with the most nerve endings. Oh, I, I never would have thought of the forehead. No, I wouldn't have either. As many times as I've slapped my forehead <laughs> in frustration. Which brings us to the least painful part of your body and where you should probably get your tattoos in the future, Bob, is the outer part of your shoulders, which, ha- <laughs> <laughs> which has thick skin and very few nerve endings, hardly any at all. Hmm. How about that? Didn't know that. Inside your body, the organ that does not feel any pain is the brain. Yes, I know that. Oh, you did? Yes, I did. If pricked with a needle, it will feel nothing. Mm -hmm. How did you know that? Well, because I studied that when I went through brain surgery. (laughs) I I did. I I looked into it. Okay. I thought, boy, if I get, you know, accidentally touched by a scalpel or something, that would be, oh, man, that must hurt like hell. But no. No, it doesn't. You're right. Well. That's Which has probably saved a lot of surgeons' careers. <laughs> All right, let's go to sports. i got a question for you to okay, ponder. Yeah. Baseball. It may be America's game, but what country has played baseball for 145 years other than us? No. We'll have the answer to that coming up next when we return after this message. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob and Smith. I'm Robert Rickman, host of OK Boomer. 
Yes, we like to entertain you with colorful features, boomer history, and brain fog, but we also tell you about serious stuff such as... The amount of money taken in from property taxes continues to rise. The actual percentage allocated to senior centers is declining. We search all week for news boomers need to know and make it available to you on OK Boomer. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. OK Boomer! We're back. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marcia Smith, and I posed a question to Marcia about baseball. Uh-uh. But just a reminder, before we get to that, we do this broadcast for the Cedarburg Public Library, Cedarburg, Wisconsin, and its internet radio station every week. And uh, we encourage you to go to your local library. They're just uh, wonderful sources of information. As are we. Yeah, as are we. <laughs> no, that's not what I was going to say, Marcia. All right. All right. All right, Marcia. So baseball. Baseball may be America's game, but which of these countries has played baseball, too, for 145 years or more since 1878? The United Kingdom? No. Cricket. Japan? No. The Netherlands? No. Mexico? Which one? It's one of those, Marcia. I know. <laughs> Even though you said no to all of them. Yes, I did. I'll say Mexico. No, Marcia. Netherlands? No, Marcia. Japan? It is. Japan, yeah. They play baseball, regular baseball? Yeah, you didn't know that? No. Oh, baseball's big in Japan. It has been for a long time. Really? A lot of players, when they would leave the American leagues, they'd play in Japan for a few years and come back sometimes. It just happened in the 70s and 80s. I didn't know that. Immensely popular there, where it was first introduced way back in the 1870s by Horace Mann, an American school teacher in Tokyo. And during the same decade, an engineer, Hiroshi Hiroka, came home from studying in the United States, and he launched several of the first organizations. Japanese baseball teams in 1878. And over the next decades, the sport swept through Japan. So you didn't even know. You probably didn't hear about this then. Back in 1934, there was a major league all-star tour of Japan led by Babe Ruth. No. Yeah, they went there with the roster which included Lou Gehrig, Jimmy Fox, Charlie Gehringer, Earl Averill, Lefty Gomez, Lefty O'Dowd, and Mo Berg. Now, what did Mo Berg do there while he was in Japan in 1934? I don't know. He spied for the United States. Oh. <laughs> he got up on rooftops and took pictures because they were worried about Japan maybe trying to do something in the future. And, and lo and behold, they did seven years later. But uh, that's the uh, other country. Japan started playing baseball in 1878. And today, Japanese professional baseball consists of two leagues with six teams each. Millions of Japanese fans follow the sport closely. All right. Here's a question for you, Bob. We still have uh, radios around the house with batteries in them, I think, don't we? Yes, we we do. We have a few. Yeah. So do batteries run out faster if you have the volume loud on your radio? Maybe it does because the gain is pulling more current from the battery to make the volume louder. So, yeah, I'd say yes. If the volume is lower, the battery will last longer. That's right. The more power you use, the more juice you use. So if it's a loud radio all the time, you're going through the batteries much quicker. Now, most people use their cell phones these days. And what drains your battery on your phone faster than anything? When you take a movie of something, that uh, that is probably taking more energy. Yeah. But I mean, just regular on your phone, the brightness on your phone can drain your battery oh, fast. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I Along thought it was just back- about eyesight. Yeah, no, along with background apps, picture-in-picture mode, 24-7 connection, old battery, location tracking apps, and a surplus of notifications will all drain your battery quick. 
Kabing, kabing, kabing. Kling. Yes, you have a <laughs> notification. Quickly. Okay. That happens in church, and I think, really, what's that important you need to know about while you're in church? <laughs> Again, I need to be notified about something. Maybe it's God. <laughs> it's, okay. Mark, don't you have a don't you sing a song about that? No, but I have a question about a okay. song. What do the national anthems of Spain, Bosnia, Kosovo, and San Marino have in common? Four very different countries. Spain, Bosnia, Kosovo, and San Marino. What do their national anthems have in common? They all sound like the American anthem? No. No, I don't know. They have no lyrics. Oh, really? <laughs> You'd think that a national anthem would have to have lyrics, yeah. right? Yeah, that's the case for Bosnia, Herzegovina, San Marino, Kosovo, and Spain. Let's take the biggest of these countries, Spain. Its national anthem is called La Marcha Real. The Royal March dates back to 1761. There have been a number of attempts to write lyrics for it, uh, but uh, it's never received official status, so they just play the song. <laughs> it's more universal when you're just playing a melody. Yeah. But yeah. I can't imagine the national anthem, our song, being famous unless you had the words, because that gives it really meaning, you know? Yeah. The Fort McHenry battle during the with the rockets red glare and the bombs bursting in air. Sing it to me, Bob. And the rockets <laughs> red glare. Okay, what does a yellow cap on a bottle of Coca-Cola signify? The yellow cap? Mm-hmm. You've won the lottery. Mm. No, is it one of those contests? No. no. I don't know. See, I don't buy a lot of Coca-Cola. The yellow cap. Well, what is the answer? It signifies it's kosher. Oh, no kidding. I had no idea. Kosher Cola. Yeah. Is that a new brand? Uh, no. Well, <laughs> most plastic bottles of Coke uh, boast a red cap and matches their usual color scheme. In the spring, you may notice bottles with yellow caps appearing on shelves, and that means that the drink is kosher for the Jewish holiday of Passover. Wow, okay. Prior to 1935, Coke wasn't kosher at all, but that year the company swapped out beef tallow glycerin for a vegetable counterpart that makes the drink kosher and vegan. Wow, I didn't know that. In 1980, however, Coke began using high fructose corn syrup instead of cane sugar, making the beverage non-kosher for Passover, so they had to fix it again. Anyway, so they put a yellow cap on it, and that's what you know you can drink during Passover. Okay. I had no idea. Kosher cola. Yep. I love it. <laughs> okay. Are Holland and the Netherlands the same thing, Bob? This thing always drives me nuts. Yes, they Holland, are. Holland the Netherlands is Netherlands. They are the same. Yes. Holland and the Netherlands are the same. The Netherlands is the official name of the country. Yeah. Holland is a... Region. Holland is a region of the Netherlands, two popular provinces within Netherlands. But over the years, it just became common to call the Netherlands Holland. Hmm. However, in 2020, the Netherlands officially dropped its support of the word Holland. They never mentioned it when I was there. In 2020, you weren't there. No, I was there like 40 years ago, and everybody talked about the Netherlands, and I was wondering, where is Holland, you know? And so uh, they dropped it, and they redesigned the Holland logo, changed it to an NL logo. The letters NL. Standing for Netherlands. Huh, Okay. I have another question. What do cows and camels have in common? Well, <laughs> they chew their cut. That's right. They do? They're both called ruminants. Ruminants are animals that regurgitate the food back up from their stomach oh, yes. and chew it again. Cows and camels do that. Okay. They enjoy their meals twice. A ruminant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I got that one right? Get a ruminant. <laughs> you notice how you just keep talking when I answer it right? You more just... questions. More trivia. <laughs> yes, you got that right, Marsha. Yes, I did. Okay. Why is royalty referred to as blue-blooded? 
blue-blooded royalty. Yeah. Does that have to do with varicose veins or something? You're right about the veins. Their veins looked dark, so they said they were blue-blooded? Yeah. Explain. Well, okay, there's two theories. Uh, The first one, the term was first applied to the royalty of Spain during the Renaissance when the job of royalty was to loll around the palace and not lift a finger to do anything. (laughs) And because of their total lack of physical exertion, their oxygen levels were lacking and their veins showed through their skin more than the others, and it appeared that their blood was pale blue when it was just their veins. Really? Okay. That's one theory. But here's the more believable The oldest and richest families of the northern Italian Castile claimed never to have intermarried with Moors or Jews or any races that weren't as fair-skinned as they were. Uh And just to show that they hadn't intermarried to taint their fair skin, they'd show their blue veins, which were more prominent than they were on darker-skinned people. Okay. And those blue veins were to be flaunted as proof of their purity. (laughs) The blue bloods. (laughs) But you were right about the vein part. Ah, Okay. And whoever thought that was a symbol of beauty? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Okay, Marcia, ever heard of pound cake? Oh, I love pound cake. Why do they call it that? Because it's heavy, it's dense, it's thick, it's weighty. No. Uh, Because you have to pound the mixture to put it together. Actually, it's pretty simple. This goes back to 1795. It's called a pound cake because it requires one pound of each ingredient. Really? Yeah. According to the original recipe published in Hartford, Connecticut, one pound sugar, one pound butter, one pound flour, one pound or ten eggs, rose water, one gill, spices to your taste, watch it well, it will bake in a slow oven in 15 minutes. How the hell big is it to be like over four pounds of stuff? I can't believe that it would bake in 15 minutes. Oh, it it couldn't possibly. Well, that was the original recipe. What kind of oven did they use? This is from Smithsonian Magazine. They put it in a furnace. (laughs) All right, here's another one. What's the original meaning of the word souffle? To rise. That's exactly right. It means to inflate or to rise. I am right a lot today. You are a right many times. Now, when was that first introduced? Can you give me the century? Oh, for heaven's sake. No, let's see how good you are. Let's see how right you are. Let's see how knowledgeable you are. 17th century. Not the 17th century. 16th. Not the 16th. Not the 15th. 18th. Yes, the 18th. (laughs) You're right, Marcia. It took you a while. 1742 was first introduced. The recipe was published in the 1814 cookbook La Pâtissière Royale Parisienne <laughs> by the famous French chef Marie-Antoine Carême. So there's my information All for right. you. All right. Can I do my quotes now? Yes. Or do you want to play Frenchman a little longer? <laughs> Let us play Frenchman more. <laughs> Give me your French quote. Uh, what, did, what did I call you in Paris? What did, was my name for you? Oh, we had a, that was funny things we used to say. Uh, your love is gone. Yeah. My, my love is gone. But what were our names in Paris? You were... Cosette. Cosette, yes. And I was, I don't know what I was. Ennui? <laughs> I call so you that Ennui. Was not, my name was not Ennui. <laughs> Henri Ennui. I don't know what my name was. I think was. it was Henri. Okay. My it, love is gone. Yeah, that was it. It is gone. Henri it could make... It flew away like a butterfly. It is gone. Henri could give me Ennui. Yes, That's he a could. whole other yeah. line of thinking. Okay, here's a quote from John Lubach. Rest is not idleness, and to lie sometimes on the grass, under the trees on a summer's day, listening to the murmur of water or watching the clouds float across the sky is by no means a waste of time. 
Well, that's true. That's what I used to tell that my- That was a nice description you just gave. It not it lovely? Yeah. I tried to say something like that to our kids when summer came. I don't ever want to hear bored. Go out and stare at the clouds go by. You know, mm-hmm. There's always something to do. And here's a quick one from uh, Audrey Hepburn, and this goes out to our daughter, Chelsea. To plant a garden is to believe in tomorrow. That's a great one. <laughs> I that like lovely? that one. Yeah, yeah, it is. It shows you have faith in things. Yeah. All right. Well, we have faith in you. We and do. We, we hope that you'll return again. That's my faith. <laughs> <laughs> to hear Marsha again and again be correct on the off ramp. <laughs> if you'd I like to be correct, it. I just geez. can't help it. <laughs> if you'd like to send some questions to me that I can pose to Marsha to see if she's still correct, <laughs> you can send them to us via our website. Go to the off ramp dot show and scroll all the way down to contact us. Okay, that's it for this week. We'll be back in another. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. Join us again when we return with more fascinating facts and tantalizing trivia here on The The Off-Ramp. Au revoir. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I just had to get that in. Oh, Andre. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.